Welcome everyone to episode 3 of Drag Talk. I'm Sean McCabe and today I speak with modified bike racer Owen Rose about his motorsport journey. Owen, thank you very much for joining us here on Drag Talk. Yeah, no worries mate, looking forward to being here. Thanks Owen. Owen, can you tell us about the early days of your motorsport and what ignited that passion you have? Um, oh, my old man used to crew chief for a fellow by the name of Gary Patterson. Um, used to ride a yellow Harley Sportster back in Ravenswood. And, um, yeah, we used to, mum used to drag us down there to, to share the passion with dad. And, well, um, yeah, all the sounds, sights and smells um, sort of captivated my attention. Absolutely. What age were you roughly then, Owen? Oh, if I was to hazard a guess, I'd say probably around six. Yes, six, exactly. That's a good memory going back that far. But, um, yeah, li- likewise, I think we're sort of the same. Um, you know, mum and dad, uh, or was that probably more dad dragged my brother and, a lot, and myself along um, because he wanted to see the the racing and we were just sort of kids with our toy, uh, toys, uh, that sort of thing. But, yeah, the same thing. It was the smells and the, oh, just the excitement of it all and uh, I guess just the dream that, wow, one day... I might be doing uh, similar, and I guess that's the same as yourself, Owen. Yeah, absolutely. I um, Ever since going to the drags as a kid, I remember every single drawing I would do was um, was of drag cars or drag bikes, and every story I'd write to school would be about racing of some kind. <laughs> that's magnificent. It's, uh, it's kind of uh, funny. Likewise, as a kid, when I used to draw, I used to draw cars. You know, some people draw landscapes and people, but I would always draw cars and bikes. And uh, yeah, you're, you're right. It was just one of those one of those things. And also, um, when we were kids, we used to have our just outside the back door when we we're you know less than ten years of age. We used to have our little um, our little sandpit set up with all our little toy cars and Tonka cars, and we were always out there, uh, you know, making sounds and noises of uh, of the engines and so on of our. Cars. Cars. We're mucking around the backyard, so I guess I'm a little similar to you in that way. Yeah, well, we um we also had the shed out the back where Dad was a mechanic who worked from home, so we'd always be out there with our toy fire trucks and things up on car stands, pretending <laughs> we're fixing things. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> I can picture that you uh, as a young lad changing uh, t- changing your wheels around on your toy uh, t- fire truck. That's a classic. Yeah, very yeah, good. All right, Owen, can you tell us about your choice of bike? Um, yeah, well, it was, a, it was the first bike I ever bought myself, uh, first road bike I'd ever bought myself. So I was having a bit of a look around, and, and Dad showed me these Triumph Daytonas and said that they're, they're supposed to be a real good bit of kit. So, um, yeah, I, I found myself a nice one, a special edition model, and it looked bloody fantastic. So I went and, went and threw my leg over, and, and that was it. Is, and, um, so that, that's, that's what I wanted to ride. Is that right? And then when it was time to um, go racing, well, I already had the bike there and me and Dad thought, well, we'd try and do something a bit different and see how fast we can make one of these little Daytonas go. Oh, that's how it began, did it? Tinkering yeah. in the shed with Dad. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, and- no, And Owen, so was your Dad a, a fan of uh, English bikes and English cars? Um, Dad's a fan of cars and bikes all over, but gotcha. um, my, my parents being English, yeah, I think there might have been a little bit of bias towards the Triumphs. 
It's, yeah, it's funny. I was g- going to ask, were they, were they English? Um, my uh, parents also come from the UK, and uh, they'd always speak about Nortons, uh, you know, those sorts of bikes, uh, BSAs and those sorts. So, yeah, they always love those ones. I was just interested that uh, your folks also from England, or from the UK, uh, like myself. And, uh, Owen, can you tell us about the, um, you've got the Triumph Daytona, a triple cylinder. Um, why a triple cylinder in a field that's full of uh, twins and quads? Um, how do you make that happen? Um, well, like I said, uh, the whole idea of doing something different kind of enticed us a little bit. And the fact that I already had the Daytona was um, just, just a bonus. So we decided that we'd persevere with that and, and have a good crack at seeing how fast we could make one of these go um, rather than doing what everyone else is doing and running the four cylinders down the strip. So, Okay, and how actually did you actually manage to, um, you know, what work did you do on it to get it up to the standard that it is? I mean, it's a very quick bike, as we both know. Um, you know, like, uh, for instance, what are the advantages of the Daytona, for instance? You know, is it, uh, is, is it strong on top end? Is it strong on torque? What's, it, what's its advantages? Yeah, so the three-cylinder has, um, obviously, with our, our, our classes that we have, they're limited to certain capacities over um, X amount of cylinders. So with the three cylinders, we can have that little bit of extra capacity over what the four cylinders can have. So that allows us to have that little bit of extra torque down the bottom end with a slightly bigger displacement. But because they don't rev as hard as the four-cylinder bikes, they're not, they don't make quite as much power. So the idea is to try and get as much of it down to the track as we can as early as possible, but running on a stock wheelbase we kind of hinder ourselves so um yeah trying trying really hard to chase down rangs's um 10 o's that he was running on his zx6 is pretty hard for us because he had the top end speed whereas we've got the better bottom end but trying to get that to stay on the track with the short wheelbase is, is proving to be quite difficult is it really so when she launches she's got a lot of power has she initially out of the traps yeah Gotcha. Yeah, and it, it, it can be quite easy to power wheelie. So even after you launch and, and you get all the way off the clutch and finish twisting the throttle, it can sometimes still want to lift the front wheel up. So. Oh, what an experience. That must be a breathtaking experience, Owen. Oh, it is, absolutely. There's, uh, <laughs> there's no other thrill like, like drag racing, that's for sure. Absolutely. And yeah, as a spectator, I can assure you it blows me away and always has done. Um, Owen, I want to ask you about the bike. Uh, how long have you owned it? I know you said it was your first bike. Um, did you purchase it um, as a teenager in your 20s? When did you get it, roughly? Uh, 2011, I believe. Sold it in 21 when I bought the bike. Gotcha. Yep. So about 13 years I've had it, yeah. Very, very nice. And um, where did you buy it from? Like, uh, not personally, but like, was it from WA? Was it from a fellow, uh, fellow? well, it wasn't a fellow racer. You bought it as a street bike initially. Um, did you buy it brand new? Where did you actually get it from, Owen? Um, I bought it from a fellow who just moved here from Victoria. He was down Bunbury Way and, and decided he wanted to move the bike on. So um, when I was looking about, I said my old man pointed these Daytonas out to me and, and, and when I stumbled across it, it was one of only two special edition models uh, for sale in all of Australia. So. Is that right? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, they weren't the most common 
common bikes, yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, I was going to look, uh, to be honest, it's the only Triumph Daytona I personally know of that races. Um, I know uh, Bridget Bell actually rides one, uh, you know, her street uh, rider, but um, yeah, that's really interesting to. Uh, um, do you find, um, just on oh, no, Owen, sorry, just a bit of background, um, what's, what's its performance and its terminal speed like? Um, so, uh, performance-wise, I think we're the motor's pushing out uh, mid 120s. I think at the wheel um, in horsepower terms and mile an hour. I think our best mile an hour we've run so far is about 136.5. So upwards, um, getting close closer to the 220k mark. That's that's impressive. Very impressive. Yep. And, uh, yeah, for such a little bike, it is. <laughs> can understand. Now, Owen, when you're racing the Triumph Daytona, can you describe just how it makes you feel? You know, is a feeling of being alive, what is it? Um, there, there's lots of different feelings. I mean, you've got the feeling of um, achievement, um, being being riding such a, a small capacity bike, getting it to run as fast as it does. It, when you get to the back to the pits and, and the old man shows me the time slipper. I was so eager to have a look and, and and then when you see that we've gone quick it's just it's such a satisfying feeling but then the feeling itself of, of actually racing down the strip it, it's just exhilarating I, can, uh, I, don't, I don't really know any other words to describe it other than exhilarating I can well understand that and Owen, what's your favourite part? Is it the um, the anticipation of the run? Is it the actual launch? Is it going through the gears? Is it the top end speed? Um, what's your favourite part of the particular run? Um, if I could only pick one, it would be uh, going through the traps at the top end because running in mod bike here in WA is extremely competitive. So whenever you're going through the traps, you're normally right next to the person that, you, that you're racing. And quite often, you won't know who's won the race until you get back to the pit. So okay. <laughs> that, that's very exhilarating, yeah. Absolutely. And roughly, what are your, ET, your ETs, uh, Owen, roughly? Uh, we've PB'd with 10 ones, but we normally run anywhere between the 10 threes and 10 fours um, when we're trying to just run, run a nice, consistent path. Gotcha. Now, Owen, I want to take you back a little bit. Uh, I want to take you back to some career highlights. What have been some of the most outstanding moments for your career so far? Good and bad. <laughs> um, my first um, head shake moment was in my first ever season and my first ever meeting. I um, I made it through round one, um, taking out Simon Garbett, who was his very first season, his very first pass as well. So two rookies, I was able to get past him. And then going into round two, I didn't have the experience to look over my shoulder and, 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 and see where the rider was or to even be aware of what the other rider was doing. And my opponent had bogged it on the line and was about two seconds behind me, but I broke out. <laughs> oh, that's always the way. Yeah, it's, it's probably my my biggest head shake moment. But um, my highlight, my, well, my, my biggest highlight would be my first, my first ever final that I made it into um, was last year in January sometime at the Nitro Max. I am um, my first ever final, and I and I got the final win against Paul Newell. That's magnificent. That was, um, yes. Yeah. Pretty chuffed with that. Absolutely. And you speak of Paul Newhoff, he's actually just, um, what, about uh, 
45 points in front of you in fourth place. You're in uh, fifth place, just ahead of Connor Wood so far this season. Um, do you think you'll catch Paul before the end of the season? Still got another three rounds to go. Yeah, it, to be honest, with my bike being as tight as it is, it, it's all up to a lot of different variables, like what, um, how he fares across the next few meetings. Because, I mean, I could do great, but if he does great too, then I'll, I'll forever stay behind him. So, Yeah, that's with, true, isn't with it? With how far back we're sitting the points now, it's, yeah, it's, it's all dependent on how everyone else goes and, and us having to do well every, every meeting, I, I guess. You're done, right? It's certainly about consistency. And I think, you know, when you look at some of the other performers, you look at competition bike, you know, with Daniel Nadlotto, for instance, three rounds back to back, you know, it's uh, like a three-peat of rounds. It's hard to uh, uh, knock, him, knock him off the top step if you keep winning. And, you know, you look at also with um, Steph Galotto in the, in the cars, for instance, uh, consistency, consistency. It's hard to beat them when they uh, stick. Uh, continue being consistent but Owen before I uh, dribble on I want to ask you can you describe your first competitive race what was that like um a little bit nerve wracking to to go down the strip for the first competitive race but because I've been around the drag racing scene for as, for as long as I can remember uh, I knew a lot of what to expect and doing a lot of passes at Woolfast Wednesday I sort of knew what to expect for the bike too um, so yeah, no, it, it was, it was nerving, but, but really exciting. And then once the first pass was finished, um, everything completely changed from there on. The first one was down and out the way and we knew exactly what was going on from there, from there on out. Oh, when you speak about we, can you tell us who have been your biggest supporters over the years? Uh, my dad, whenever, when I say we, because, um, yeah, the drag racing, it's not just me, it's, it's me and Dad together. We do, he's there at every single meeting, every single Woolpath Wednesday I go to. We're, um, we're, we're a team uh, absolutely through, through the whole lot. Absolutely, and I think that's what uh, we learn about drag racing. Is it's not only about the individual, it's a team and a family uh, lifestyle and experience, but it's uh, certainly all about the team and the family. I agree uh, completely. Owen, another one. About your, your leathers and helmet design, do you have an inspiration or a particular design, like a th- um, uh, your, your, theory, sorry, your theory behind your, the design of your helmet and your leathers? Anything in particular along, along those lines? No, nah, not at all. Um, when oh, I got pretty lucky with my leathers, oh, I found a guy in marketplace selling a set just before I was ready for, for my first round of my first meeting, and they just happened to be matching colours to the bike. So I, just, <laughs> I got I got pretty lucky there. <laughs> that was meant and, to be. <laughs> yeah, and the helmet was it was just a helmet. I decided looked nice when I went in to buy one, and. Um, and just the fact that on the inside of the helmet, it's got the flip-down visor so you can go from clear to tinted, if you like, without having to put sunnies on or, or just run a, a tinted visor. Oh, really? That's so, that's a good one. Yeah, yeah, it is. Real handy. Okay. that's Yeah, that's uh, very impressive. Okay, now, can you just tell us a bit, little bit about Modified Bike? Now, I realise you run your uh, your own handicap racing and you run through the full uh, Christmas tree. How does that work for you? Um, yeah, it, it works well. I mean, you really learn how to read the tree. Yes. Um, how to count down the lights and read the tree. And, and there's such an art to it that that, that part of the racing is, is so satisfying as well when you finally figure that out. 
and then um, and the die your own racing. It's, it's just another exhilarating part of it. You've got to understand your bike. You've got to understand the weather, how the bike responds to that, how the bike responds to you, and um, and and dial in accordingly. And you've got to be so close to what you pick with your dialings that it's um it, it it's just an absolute art. Mod, mod bike racing or bracket uh, dial your own racing is, is an art. It certainly is, Owen. And uh, Owen, I just wonder, for instance, um, with the Dolly Rain Handicap Racing, um, you know, we know how competitive it is. Um, do you um, have any issues with, not issues, but do you struggle? Not struggle. Let me get this right. Can you um, ignore your opponent's uh, Christmas tree and watch yours only? Or are you sometimes, you might see a green in your competitor's lane or, um, or a red in your competitor's lane. Does that throw you off at all? How good are you at reading your own Christmas tree? Um, well, being on such a small capacity bike, I'm normally the first one to leave. So it's, it's never really been too much of a drama for me. But the first race I ever had where I had to chase somebody, it, it did. I, I, I predicted how long it was going to take for my tree to start. But you don't realise how fast that actually is. So once the tree started counting, I was going, oh, I'm yeah. close to go. Yes, you've just given them a huge advantage. Yeah, I understand. Yeah, I can. Yeah. Uh, so then I went and um, I went and did a couple of fast Fridays after that. Oh yes, there's such a very, very um, degree of bikes and rider skills out there. I was um, one of the quicker bikes there, so nearly every race I had, I was having to chase somebody. So I got to um, use that for a bit of practice, and and now I'm. I'm very confident with, with doing that. I think the other thing I love about Dollar Own Handicap Racing is seeing both vehicles cross the line at the same time, which is theoretically what it should be, given that there's handicap uh, starts. Um, that must be an amazing experience. Um, you say, you know, you're on the slightly lower capacity bike. Can you hear your opponent coming behind you, let's say in the other lane? Uh, let's say, you know, you left first. Um, do you know roughly how far from the line you are, whether you can hear them at all um as time's gone on yeah i've, I've learned to to judge where people are quite well just by listening yes um we like to have a look because it's we're talking about being on a smaller capacity bike running through the top end at 130 um average is about 133 mile an hour the your bike coming past us at close to 150 mile an hour so the closing speed is is phenomenal, which which is quite exhilarating in itself. But being able to judge how fast they're going to close the gap on you before the finish line is it, it, it's another art. Um, but it is it's extremely exciting because you're getting so close to the line, and, and like you said, theoretically we should be finishing at identical times. But when these bikes are coming at you almost 20 mile an hour faster, it's um yeah the moment you hit that finish line they just boom. Absolutely, and I went like when you hit the finish line. Let's say it's almost side by side. Do you know, like, apart from looking at the uh, green light in the distance, can you do you get a bit of an idea of whether you got there first or the opponent, like initially? Um, quite often you, you do, yeah. But sometimes races can be so tight. Like, um, me and Ian Reed have had a couple of uh, runs this year together where. I, I won the first one, and I think the difference might have been 13 thousandths of a second over the finish line. Wow. <laughs> and then he got, and he got me on the next one, and I, 
I think the difference might have been 11 thousandths of a second oh, over the finish line. That's just and, ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, yeah you, you can't. <laughs> but it, you, surely you'd have to go through a camera and, and, and have a check to see who finished first because it's that bloody close. It's, but it, you don't. I, I, I couldn't tell on either of those races who had actually won until I got back to the pits and, and seen the timesheet because you also get a bit distracted sometimes and don't look for the green light until we do pass. I can understand that exactly. Yes, I can understand that, and it's funny. Occasionally, um, you know, we'll see the replays of some of the riders, and um, you know, occasionally some will, um, uh, if they'll have a victory, sort of um, uh, turn to their opponent, and sort of give them the thumbs up or something like that. A bit of a, uh, you know, a bit of a, well, I got there first, sort of a thing. But um, it's always yeah, great to see. Um, Owen, just another thing. What are the perfect racing conditions for you? Um. I mean, everybody likes a, a tailwind. It's always fun. Yes, when I'm cycling, but, I do. Guess. <laughs> yeah, but I, I guess it's all dependent on what, on what it is that you're chasing. If, if you're trying to qualify with the fastest EP possible, then um, basically no wind or a tailwind, nice, nice warm conditions, and um, maybe a little low on the, the air density side of things, but... If you're wanting consistent racing, any conditions that stay the same all day long is, is what matters most. Because you go out and quali- qualify in the morning, and then in the evening it can be different. Like we've had some really severe sea breezes and, and headwinds this year, but then when you get closer to the end of the night, those winds drop off, and you've got to try and dial in accordingly. Gotcha. Okay. And Owen, um, you speak about the wind, and it's not a question I've written down, but do you get buffeted at all by the wind as you get into the braking zone? Um, I've never really felt too much until well, there was a meeting earlier this year where there was a pretty severe um, southwester. And you, I think I got to about half track, and I just felt a big gust of wind come through and give, give the bike a real good wobble. I'm pretty sure my front wheel was just skimming off the ground at the time too. So when it, it made the front end of the bike quite light, and um, going through the GoPro footage later and having a look, you can see the the dash with my GoPro faces the, the dash of the bike. Yes, you can see that wobble quite quite heavily. It was um yeah, it was a little bit of a a, a frightening moment, but I was going to say what you know, the safety and, and what the choice to do is just to stay on the throttle and push through it and, and come out the other side of that. <laughs> stay like that. That's the only... Yeah, it's the only that I've had, yeah. I like that. Stay on the throttle and just push through it. I absolutely love that. But, uh, yeah, I can imagine that would be a pretty uh, pretty loose experience too. I can imagine initially when you felt the bike a little lighter on the front, that would um, uh, get your attention pretty quickly, I would have thought. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah. Sparked, sparked a bit of chat back at the pit. Yeah. Quite some time. <laughs> Dad? <laughs> Owen, I've got a, a, a question here. Uh, what would you be doing if it wasn't for motorsport? Um, oh, there's, there's lots that I'd be doing. My wife would probably enjoy it a little bit more time. <laughs> <laughs> Travelling, I guess. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've, I've got a young family. I've got an eight-year-old boy, a nearly two-year-old boy, and, a, and now another boy on the way. Wow. We're in the middle of building our family home and things, so with... Oh. um. Yeah. There's a lot that I could be doing. 
<laughs> I can well understand that. Yeah, what a sounds like a great time of life for you. It's um, yeah, really special. Owen, um, real uh, left to centre one here is if you could live out a dream and race any vehicle anywhere against anyone, what, where, and who would that be? Um, I, if I could pick any vehicle to race, I'd, there's nothing that captivates my attention more than pro-stock motorcycles. Really? Yeah, gotcha. Yep. Yeah, those things are just absolutely uh, amazing pieces of machinery. Yep. Yep. Uh, a particular a favourite track at all you'd like to uh, race at? Um, I'd, I'd love to have a crack at doing a, um, a Winter Nationals at Willowbank. That's always something I've, I've wanted to do since I was a kid. Oh, gotcha. Good. Yeah. That, that yeah otherwise, um, the first motorplex is... Uh, I can't compare it to other tracks because I'm yet to do the travel, but it's it's such a good track that we've got here. Absolutely. The facilities, everything about it, you know, was just designed perfectly in the the early 2000s. Um, We all know, you know, the inspiration behind it. But, yeah, I certainly agree. Everyone absolutely loves it. And I know the uh, guys from uh, America that are coming over here for the uh, Outlaw, uh, Street Outlaws, they're going to absolutely love the facility also. Yeah, no, I don't doubt that at all. All right, Owen, just before we wrap this up, I want to ask you, is there anything you'd like to add? Um, nah, not really. I think we've touched on, on a lot. And, um, yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's, been, it's been fun chatting to you about, about my racing experiences and, and my history with racing. Well, I, think, uh, I had a bit of a listen to your podcast with Ian Reid, and, and I really enjoyed having a listen to that. It was it was good to listen to. Thanks, Owen. Very much appreciate that. Yes, so we're just releasing uh, the previous one with uh, Kathy Regan and Roger Morehouse, and uh, we'll be releasing this one uh, pretty soon. But, uh, yeah, Roger, again, thank you very much for... Uh, sorry, Owen, thank you very much for uh, coming on the... Sh- yeah, got me, got me names all muddled up. Thank you very much for coming on uh, Drag Talk. And thank you to the listeners for tuning into Drag Talk. Please give us a like and a share. And until the next episode, please be good to each other. Good night.